Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Shira Barlow, but you may know me as the food therapist. I'm so excited to announce Dear Media's first ever daily show, Good Instincts. If you've ever found it challenging to eat thoughtfully while juggling a busy schedule, then this show is for you. Instead of aiming to simply eat healthier, we'll focus on tips and mindset shifts that streamline the process. Because balance is key, and the less complicated, the better. Join me every Monday through Friday for bite-sized episodes designed to help you close the gap between where you are right now and where you want to go. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Note to Self, and I'm your host, Peyton Sarton. From Q&As and breakup tips to simply navigating every stage of life, Note to Self is a space to get messy, explore new perspectives, and ultimately empower yourself and others. Grab some wine or a mocktail, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. All right, hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Note to Self. So I've got some life updates for you guys today. Some embarrassing ones. In fact, I just embarrassed myself all weekend and it was so much fun. I am like the least serious version of myself on the weekends. What I've been doing lately is kind of describing my life. It's it's very extreme. So I schedule in my time to be feral on the weekends. It's literally in my calendar. And I usually only like to go out like one day on the weekend. So I usually do like Saturday, like all day, like 3 p.m. on We went out on Friday as well this last weekend, some of my friends and I, and things got interesting. Things got interesting. If you saw me, well, one, I met a lot of you, which was amazing to do. I like that we're all just as, how do I describe us besides feral, animalistic, (laughs) being idiots in the same place. I was at a place called Jameson's and I swear I met so many people that listened to the podcast, which I was like, this tracks. It's a sports bar. (laughs) It's Saturday at four and I'm doing multiple peanut butter shots. And I have people who listen to my podcast around me. I'm like, this makes so much sense. I ran this one girl. I like these two girls walked into the bar and they both had on like hats, like over their face, sunglasses on like incognito. And I turned to my friend and I was like, that would so be me. Like just like hung over from yesterday, just coming in here and still trying to have fun. And as we're walking by, one of them grabs me and goes, oh my God, I fucking love you. And I was like, yes, <laughs> I, I was, I rode that high all day. <laughs> it was like, you know what? I could, I recognize something in you and I like it. So I met a bunch of people on Saturday specifically. We went to a couple different locations. Like I said, the peanut butter shots, unbelievable. We had a lovely day on the west side of Los Angeles. 
if you saw me at Winston House making out with a man who will not be named all over the place, you're welcome. And that wasn't me. <laughs> okay. My friends and I have been talking about how the dance floor makeout is a very underrated thing, but usually you would think we would leave that back in our earlier 20s. Allegedly not me. Allegedly that's my new move. Now, I'm not like hooking up with anybody right now, just to get very specific here. I find myself not actually running the full gamut on that one, but I do love a dance floor makeout. And I am both embarrassed and proud of myself, but I feel like it's one of those feelings that many of us, if you know it, you know it. So you're like, I don't take it back. I don't regret it. And the guy was cute. I'm not going to date him, but he was really cute. He's been around. We'll see what happens with that um, this summer. But anyway, I was being an idiot. So if you saw me, you know, you didn't see me. And I had so much fun. I did leave my phone for now, what, like the third night in a row that I've gone out, left my phone at the bar and at Winston House, and it doesn't open back up until Thursday. So I had to go spend Sunday getting a new phone, which wasn't a big deal because I did need to get a new phone anyway. I had like an iPhone 12 and I needed to upgrade. I just didn't really want to spend Sunday doing that, but it did force me to do so. So that's my weekend update. But I quickly transitioned from like that version of myself to I wake up on Sunday morning, I eat, I go buy my new phone, I clean my entire apartment, and then I, you know, start Monday morning with a workout and we're back on track. Until, of course, Friday when I'm going to Cabo. So we'll see how that goes. (laughs) But I'm loving this, like, obviously we know I'm in my single era right now. I'm loving the, like, unhinged version of me on the weekend and then quickly switching over to the more mature, put-together version of myself. Like, I have houseplants and an herb garden. My apartment is completely clean, head-to-toe, so clean. It's coming together really well for nurture-wise, I've got my finances in order. Things are happening for me in my life. So if I want to go a little feral and crazy on the weekend, I'm fine with that for now. I'll allow it for myself and for you too, if you're in your zone right now. I am an extremist. So like, what else is new? My friends that, I don't think any of my actual like real life friends listen to this podcast, but if they were listening right now, they'd be like, this has been the same for the past 10 years. (laughs) What is this new information? We're not sure. Okay. So Content corner, content corner, what I'm consuming on the internet. Well, I guess I'll talk about like shows first. So I started the show Saint X on Hulu. I'm not sure if I mentioned that one yet. I like it. It's really good. I think a new episode, like I I find myself waiting for the new episode. So that's how I know I like it. The last thing he told me, I think that's on Apple TV. It's like, okay, I know it's based off of a book. It's with Jennifer Garner. I'm liking it. I thought the twist could be a little bit more interesting. Like, it kind of builds all up to this like main event. And I wasn't like that shocked or surprised by it, but something to watch if you need to watch something. What else? What else? The Great on Hulu. It's like very loosely about Catherine the Great of Russia. And it's like funny. So I've been watching that in the background while I work. I tried to watch Babylon recently with Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie, but it's like three hours long. I got an hour and a half in and I was just like really, really bored. Like I, I know it's like almost like highbrow a little bit. And it's all like a metaphor and it's like kind of Hollywood making fun of itself. But it just felt like, I don't know, it just felt, I don't know, what's the word? There's a certain arrogance to it that I just didn't like. Like it wasn't fun and funny for me to watch. And I like something like that. I want something that makes me laugh and giggle. Obviously, I'm just scrolling TikTok, spending tons of time scrolling TikTok. I don't really have anyone new 
that I'm following to share with y'all. I feel like I I just haven't really run across that many people that have I've wanted to follow. I will say the content I'm consuming has gone from like funny. I mean, I still like the funny stuff, but I'm getting a lot of like healthy recipes from TikTok. Today I was searching how to make the best Texas queso on TikTok. Not really healthy, but okay. Herb garden information. I was learning a lot about planting my herb garden outside from TikTok. So I'm big on like researching topics, dog training. I've got a whole saved folder for when the time comes that I get a dog. Once I have my hot girl summer and then I will be getting a dog and settling down and never leaving the apartment. I don't think I've updated y'all since I got my couch, but I got my couch last week. And I was saying last week in the Maddie episode how I wanted to get a dog because it's not like I want to be out being feral every weekend. Like, yes, it's fun. Could I go without doing that? Yeah, but I don't really have anything else to do. I don't want to work more. All my friends are going out and being feral. But if I had a dog, that's like stability. Like I'd have to go home to feed the dog and stuff like that. Like I'd have a reason to go home. And one micro reason to go home now is because I have my couch. My new couch is there. It's in my living room. It fits perfectly. It's gorgeous. And I genuinely get excited to go sit on my couch and watch TV. So I got my couch from Six Penny Home and I believe they're having like a Memorial Week sale. So maybe when this comes out, they'll still be having the sale. But I love their couches so much. It took a little bit because I like wanted to choose a specific sectional and then get like the custom fabric on it and everything. So extra comfy. They have so many different options. If you need a couch, look up Six Penny. I'm very impressed with my couch. So now I have my couch and my self-watering plants and my hydroponic herb garden which none of those things really take that much to actually take care of. Hence the me wanting to get a dog because I was like, I'll get houseplants. So then I have to be, I have to have my shit together to grow these plants and make sure they don't die. No, I got them from Easy Plant, <laughs> not a sponsor. I wish they were, but I got them from Easy Plant and they are like self-watering. So I just have to fill the, the pot with water like once a month. And I have houseplants all over my house now and it looks like I like am really on it, <laughs> but I've done so in the easiest way possible. Easy Plant. So that's Easy Plant and Six Penny. Those are my two things for this week that I need y'all to know about that have significantly improved my life. Let's see what else. I made a little list of things to update you guys on. So let me see if there's anything else. I don't think so. I think that's pretty much it. Nothing else super exciting has happened to me. I'm going to go to Winston House. By the way, if you don't live in Los Angeles, it's like a bar slash club type of place, more like a bar on the west side of Venice. So I will be retrieving my phone. Because I obviously didn't back up my iCloud enough. So I'm missing like every photo I've ever taken before April (laughs) is on that other phone. So I have to go get it. Anywho, let's get into today's episode. So we're going to do an Ask P episode. I have chosen five questions at random. Basically, I read through them briefly, but I didn't want to think too much about it just because I wanted to like have a real reaction to some of these. I'm going to need to like make someone do this. Josh, you might have to do this for me. (laughs) So I get a real, the real reaction. But anyway, I have five questions here. They are, I just kind of looked for keywords. So there's some about boys. There's some about friendships, et cetera. All the fun things that we like to talk about on Note to Self. I wanted to start with a disclaimer as always. This is just for fun. So don't take my reaction or advice too seriously. You know you, you know your situation way better than I ever could. I am not, you know, 
you know, I think I'm pretty great, but I'm not God. <laughs> I don't know all. Okay. And take what I say with a grain of salt, because I did, like I said, leave my phone at a bar for like the third time in a row as an almost 30 year old woman just last weekend. So maybe I don't, I'm not really like the person to be giving out advice to, to people. Okay. That being said, I'm going to try to give you the best advice I possibly can. And if I offend you for any reason, please don't, just don't be offended by me. Just don't take me too serious. Okay. I'm going to do my best. All right. With that, let's get started. So the first question, Hey Pete, first off, love the pod. I've been listening for over a year now and you've honestly helped me reframe the way I see life and the world in a more authentic and beautiful way. Thank you. It makes me want to cry. My cold, dead heart. All right, let's get to the question. I want to get your thoughts on how to handle witnessing a friend in a relationship with a guy who just dot, dot, dot sucks. <laughs> we all know that one. <laughs> in my perspective, this man is throwing red flags left and right. My friend has repeatedly justified and defended things he has done, which the rest of our friends view as intolerable. Cheating, leeching off her for a place to live without paying rent, being super cocky when other people are around, etc. She's definitely picked up the vibe that none of us really like him because she barely talks about him anymore and never brings him around. This is her first relationship, and I think she's caught up in having someone interested in her, but doesn't know what a healthy relationship is supposed to look like. I know her safety isn't in danger and she's genuinely convinced that she's happy being with him, but she deserves so much better. The friend group fears that if we seriously confront her about our concerns, she will get super defensive. We don't want her to pull away from us and closer to him. Do we just sit back and hope that one day she figures it out for herself? Okay. I think many of us can relate to this. I have not personally dated anyone that everyone was like, he sucks, but I have so many friends who have, and it's always like the most amazing friend. <laughs> it's the one that you like want to find the Prince Charming of Prince Charmings. And it's always that one. And you're like, but you're so fucking awesome. Like what the fuck is going on? I think y'all are right to be worried about her pulling away if you confront her. I think one, it's never good in this situation to have an entire friend group confront someone because I think that can feel very intense. And obviously, if she's already feeling you get more intense feelings for him, which she, she obviously is if she's overlooking true red flags, which I mean, you said cheating, leeching off of her for a place to live without paying rent and being super cocky when other people are around like this is I that's like a walking red flag. So I agree with you there. I do think there is something to, you know, approaching a friend about someone that they love, even through my own breakup, if people were to say bad things about my ex, I kind of got defensive. And usually it's like, I know things that maybe were more negative about our situation, which not, not really a lot. I don't even want to say that, but like, I know the feeling of being like, well, you don't really like know him kind of thing. So it, it, it's like a natural defensive thing you, you get when you love someone, obviously. So I think that tapping into that and being clued into that, like you are, is absolutely key. I think that for me, at least in my life, I am a person that has to come to these kinds of conclusions on my own. I can't especially have pressure from other people telling me what to do. And I think some people might just be like that. She might be one of these people. The thing is, like, you can offer help and advice to your friends in, you know, that are maybe in not so great relationships but they won't always be in the mental state to accept that advice. And you can't force them to take your advice. You just kind of have to do your best and offer support where you can and hope that they wake up to it one day because she's going to do what she wants to do, obviously. 
So for me, what I would do in this situation, if you don't want her to pull away more, is I would really listen to her when she's talking about it if she does start talking about it. Instead of immediately shutting her down and being like, fuck him, he sucks, listen to her. And maybe understand why it is that she's so attached to him. Understand like what good she's seeing in him. Because it, even if you can invalidate it a teeny bit, I think she's going to start trusting you more. So instead of just, it's, he's all bad, he's all bad, he's all horrible, which by the way, he does sound all bad and horrible. <laughs> but with her, I think to make her trust you, I feel like she really needs to feel heard and seen rather than everyone just being like, well, fuck him, he sucks, you know? So I think that's step number one. I think also, instead of being directly combative and confrontational, maybe opening her high, eyes to what good, healthy relationships look like is important to do here. I don't know how you would do this. I don't know if you would like, you saw a cute TikTok of a boy doing something cute for his girlfriend and you send it to her and you're like, oh, this is so cute. Like, wish I had this. Like stuff, little things like that that open her eyes to just like kind, generous men because they obviously exist. I feel like I know plenty of them as much as I bash on men. I know so many amazing men too. Um, or if you guys have friends who have boyfriends who are really great, not talking about it in a braggy way, but just making it obvious that y'all think it's normal to be that like that much of a green flag, if you will. I think that's the best way you can go about doing it. Cause again, you can offer support all you want, but she has to be willing to take it, which she doesn't really sound like she's in the mood to take it right now. So I'd make her feel a little bit safer in the situation to open up to you or to trust you. And I definitely wouldn't all come at her at once. Cause I think that that's going to be a disaster. Cause when has that ever worked? Like an intervention of sorts, like she's probably just going to be mad. <laughs> and defensive. So yeah, I would do that. I would just make her feel seen and heard and try to understand her side a little bit more rather than just like shitting on him all the time. Because then when you have something to say about him that isn't so great, I feel like she'd be more willing to listen to you. And that's it. That's my advice. All right. Question number two. I'm 24 and I feel like I'm outgrowing my friends. The gap of us communicating is getting bigger and no one is checking up on each other anymore. I feel like I'm the only one who constantly checks out on them because I can still juggle socializing with my work. But at the same time, I have these thoughts that my friends already have other friends from new workplace, from new workplaces, or they're way closer to their peer groups than with me. So these days I have been keeping my distance and no longer hitting up, hitting them up, but then no one will speak to each other for months. And outgrowing doesn't mean that I quote, think I'm better than my friends. These friendships no longer serve me kind of thing. I low-key have this hunch or this feeling that I that kind of hits all of a sudden in our conversations, that realization that we don't click as much anymore. And it does make me sad. But how do I cope with this? Should I maintain these friendships and how? And I'm more of a girl who declutters my contacts. How long does it take to declutter their contacts from my phone? Love your podcast so much. Well, thank you for listening. Okay, so we talked a lot about friendship breakups on this podcast. And I have one friendship breakup podcast episode that I've done with my ex-best friend, Kristen, actually. It was somewhat recently, too. There's also a number of Ask Peas that I've kind of covered this topic. So I'll kind of reiterate what I've said before with some new stuff that I've kind of just been thinking about lately. So one, I know how that feels to feel like you're the glue. I feel like even growing up when I had like best friends in like a group, a lot of the time I was like the the link between people. And Maybe they wouldn't necessarily hang out together, but like if it was me, I would invite everyone, you know, to hang out. So I know what that feeling feels like. And it can be hard when you feel people, you know, 
kind of moving away and moving on with their own lives and doing all of these things. I don't necessarily think this is on purpose because I find myself doing that as well. Kind of like not moving on, but just maybe not talking to people as often. I would say this happened huge with my two best friends from growing up that I've been great friends with since we were 12. Like we all just like went in separate directions, like even from college. I remember the last the last night that we were all home before we all left for college. It was my friends, Maggie and Emily. We were all sitting in my friend Maggie's driveway and Maggie was going to school in Oklahoma. I was going to school at Texas A&M and Emily was going to school in Los Angeles here in LA. And we just all kind of knew that life was going to bring us elsewhere. And we were just crying in the driveway (laughs) being like, this is so sad. Like it's our last like little group of us like doing something, you know, and at least until summertime. And a lot of us knew like I'd probably stay in my college town for summer, studied abroad, all the things. So we kind of had this inkling that this would happen. And actually, I just brought my friend Emily to Rome with me on a trip back in November. And before that, we hadn't seen each other for like three years. And this is someone I would describe in my life like I would still have her as a bridesmaid at my wedding because like it's Emily. But like it, you just start moving in different directions. And none of us are like weirded out by that. Maggie, I'm about to be a bridesmaid in her wedding and her bachelorette's coming up here in the summertime. So we're still friends, but like sometimes you just can't talk or be around your friend, talk to or be around your friends that you were so close with at one point anymore. And it can feel like such a one weird thing and like a painful thing. And it can make you feel guilty or it can make you feel like thrown away or whatever it is. But I think the most important thing to do here is to connect when you can and not push it so much because everyone's got to live their own life. Like there's such a difference, especially you said you're 24. That's the time when everyone starts like kind of moving on from the college experience. If you know people went to college, they start moving on in their work and they get you know, into relationships that are more serious or they move. For me, it was moving to Los Angeles and none of my friends are here. Um, They're all in Houston or Fort Worth or Austin or wherever. So I say all of this to say, I think this is an incredibly natural thing. I also think that there is beauty in detaching. And I'm not saying not caring at all. You know, you're saying decluttering the contacts from your phone. I would not do that. Like you don't need to detach that much because I don't think anyone does this actually on purpose. It's just the way life is. And I think you need to let people live their lives without taking it personally. You know what I mean? It can be really hard to not take things personally. But that's one thing I've been really, really practicing for the past like five years is just detaching from expectations of people and not taking things that are happening in their own lives personally for me. Because a lot of times it's just not about me. It's about them and what they're doing. And so if I can make myself in a position to not get offended by that, I'm living a better life already. So I think that don't take things personally. I also think that I'm a person in my past, let's say high school, college. I'm such a zero to 100 person, as we discussed at the beginning of this podcast. So when I have my friends, I like love my friends, especially in college. We spent every waking second together. And I think if I lived in my the same town as my friends, we might have done the same thing post-college as well. But I've realized, you know, in the last, you know, through my 20s, the last almost decade, that everything doesn't need to be so intense. It's not like this is my best friend or they're not even in my phone anymore. Or this is my friend who I see every week or we don't talk ever anymore. There's like a spectrum here. It doesn't need to be like 
all or nothing. And I think sometimes when you come at people, I've learned this because I'm like, I feel like I'm talking to myself right now. When you come at people with such intense expectations, um, because of course everyone has to have boundaries. You need to have boundaries to the way people treat you. And there's things that you can be comfortable with and not comfortable with, right? But sometimes you have to look at yourself and be like, am I expecting too much here? Like, am I being selfish to expect this of people who cannot give it to me right now? And I have to do that or had to do that a lot. Now, again, with the detachment thing, it's made it a little bit easier. And then I got busy in my life. And I've also pivoted friend groups a ton. But I haven't really, unless I've had a bad toxic experience for a while with somebody, I have not cut them out of my life like that. Yes, I have talked to them less or seen them less, but I haven't been like, okay, we are no longer friends, sever the tie, unless something happened that I was like, okay, this person is literally making my life horrible. <laughs> Other than that, it's just, you know, taking space sometimes from friendships is totally fine. My friend Josie and I were just talking about this because I have not seen her in a while. I've been traveling a bunch. She was traveling. And then we've both just been so busy with work. And then like, I haven't seen her in like maybe two months and we live in the same city. And she texted me and she was like, hey, quick question. Do you hate me? <laughs> I was like, why would I hate you? And she was like, I don't know. I just haven't seen you in a while. Like, you know, what's up? And I was like, we just had a little, you know, update. I was like, sorry, I have not had the capacity to see anybody outside of like going out. And like, she wasn't really going out or anything like that. Um, and then just been so busy with work. And she also lives on the West side of LA, which is like a 30, 45 minute drive from me. And if you go on the wrong time of day, the traffic is fucking awful. <laughs> so I just like, don't even, I try not to go to the West side at all during the week. Cause I just don't want to deal with the traffic. It literally feels like a different world. Like if you live on the West Side, if you all don't know Los Angeles, if you live on the West Side, like you're a West Side person and people from the West Side like stay over there. And then I live on the other side of the highway, east of the 405 in Beverly Hills, which is central. But I like to stay in the Beverly Hills area during the week. Like I barely even drive my car unless I come up to Dear Media to record or something or like go work out or something like that. Anyway. So Josie and I both were like, okay, cool. We don't hate each other. We just haven't seen each other in two months. We live in the same fucking city. <laughs> same with Iman. I have not seen Iman for a whole month. She lives 10 minutes away from me. I texted her today. I was like, what the fuck, Iman? <laughs> Where are you? But she's been uh, traveling and she's been on trips and she's been in her own journey. So again, when I, I say all this to say, you can communicate too with your friends and say like, you know, Josie reached out, Iman reached out. Obviously we used we, we were speaking hyperbole like Josie knew I didn't hate her, but like that's kind of like how we joke about stuff. So use your own language for it. If you want to communicate, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. But I don't think that I would come at people with such intensity and expectation for them to show up the exact way that you want them to show up and you need them to show up all the time. Because if you want your friendships to last a long time, they're going to ebb and flow. It's just how things go in life. You know what I mean? At least that's what I think. That's how my friendships have been. And like I said, my two best friends since I was 12 we have had just like the most outrageous adventures together throughout the last, I don't even know how many years that is, 16 years almost, <laughs> wait, 16, mm, almost 14 years, question mark. And as much as we don't really get to see each other as much as we want to or talk to each other as much as we want to, I just brought one of them on an epic work trip to Rome and we literally had the best fucking time of our lives just being stupid together. And then Maggie is getting married here pretty soon and we've got her all of her wedding stuff this year and it's we're still like doing the bachelorette party. We're doing everything. So our our ties are always there, though. We give each other grace for not being able to show up in the exact way that we might all want all the time. And that's adult friendship, I think. All right. Number three. Hey, Peyton. Absolutely love your podcast. I'm a newish listener and have loved being able to binge your Ask P episodes. 
Thank you. So I have a question for you about letting someone go who you know is not doing well mentally, but it hurts you more to stay. I'm 23 and I am extremely picky when it comes to dating and boys in general. I downloaded Hinge in December and met this guy who I immediately felt like we had a great vibe. He took me on dates, met all my friends, and I met his. And was extremely open with his feelings about really liking me. We paced things pretty well in the beginning. I was very hesitant about dating people, and it's taken me some time. He, with some alcohol in his system, kept asking me to date, but then we wouldn't talk about it in the morning and would just carry on in the same manner. This cycle kept going and started also adding that he loved me around month three. We eventually talked about everything because I never said anything back to him like, love you too, or I want to date, etc. He said that he had, quote, commitment issues, but really loves me, but is scared. So I broke things off. We kept seeing each other at the same bars and hooking up, and he would do the same cycle. He finally shared some important mental health struggles that he was dealing with, and then his friends also told me that they are worried about him, which made me sick to my stomach. What I want advice on is how to let him know I care about him so much. We aren't really, quote, together together right now. But that I can't be with him because I'm constantly worried and he can't provide me the security I need in a relationship. I want to stay around and support him and love on him, but it hurts me. But what he's been dealing with makes it super hard for me to do so. I love him, but I know he has to go through this alone with friends and family support since I'm not really his girlfriend and can't be a Band-Aid. Just don't know how to move on. Okay, so this one particularly... <laughs> hits home for me. It sucks when you're watching someone who you love and respect in this case, go through something that you feel like you're like, just let me save you from this. Like, I would love to save you from this. Look how supportive I can be. Look how this I could be. Let me show up for you. But kind of like I was saying in the first question, you can only support people so much before it starts taking a toll on you trying to force them to allow you to support them. Does that make sense? So I think you are so right to remove yourself from a situation that is taking too much of a toll on you. Because especially at 23, you're starting your life out right now, like in your early 20s, you're getting your life together, you're creating who you are, you're doing all these amazing things. And this is a situation that's going to teach you that, by the way, like you're literally learning that by creating boundaries like this you're creating boundaries that you're going to keep for the rest of your life. So I want to say one, very proud of you for being like, this isn't offering me the security I need, even though there is that emotional toll on you and level of like wanting to help. I don't want to say save him, but like save him from himself almost. I think that sometimes there are certain things that we have to be in relationships to learn. So I learned in my last one that like, I learned so much about myself that I would not have learned outside of a relationship. So there are some things that relationships do heal, obviously. But then again, like you're saying, there are some things that people need to do on their own and deal with on their own. And I think where that line is drawn is when the person who's, quote, helping in the situation feels uncomfortable and insecure about the relationship. They feel like maybe they can't provide the kind of support that this person needs. And it sounds like you're in that zone right now. So I would think, again, especially at 23, Think of yourself first. I know it can be really difficult because it can be scary, again, when you care for someone to feel like you're almost like abandoning them. So I think in order to not make him feel like that, you said you wanted to communicate. Let's see. You said how to let him know I care about him so much and that I can't be with him because I'm constantly worried. Okay. So I would communicate just that. I think you know, I'm not the master of of the male psyche, but I do think that men, I mean, they like to be told 
what's needed from them and don't make it like confusing. I think you can be soft about it. I think you can be gracious. I think you can be lead with a very caring foot. But I would say exactly what you want him to know. I would say, you know, that you really do care about him and you want him to be okay and you want all these things for him. And you see how great of a person he is, but you think and feel that he needs to do this on his own first and deal with it first. And it's not helping you to be around. Maybe it's not helping either of you for you to be around and be, like you said, a Band-Aid. So I would, whatever you, like, take the back half of this question, rework it a little bit, and I would tell him exactly this. Whatever you just told me, I would tell him that in a kind way, kind of like, I'll be here if you need me, but I just don't think that like this consistently hooking up or whatever it is, is helpful for me right now. And maybe you guys can rekindle in the future. Moving on wise, moving on is really hard. And I'm even working on that right now. You can't force yourself to do it. I think a lot of people try to move on by like getting up more, you know, more on dating apps, going out with new people, doing whatever. For me, moving on has been spending a lot of time alone and with my friends if I'm not alone. So, you know, taking care of my house plants. <laughs> having a plan, diving into work. I feel like my work has really like gotten a lot better since I moved back to Los Angeles. So I think that it's provided a healthy distraction when I didn't go searching for that kind of distraction with someone else. Moving on is not easy, especially if you still care about this person and it almost feels like loose ends, you know, that's really fucking hard to move on from. But I wouldn't even think of it like maybe he's not for you or whatever. I would just think of it as not right now and go live your best life knowing that whatever is supposed to happen is going to happen. I have been leaning on that so much. I know that whatever is meant for me is not going to miss me. And whatever is not meant for me is going to be taken from me and, and removed from my life in whatever way. So you never know what's on the other side of this. You never know if maybe he handles his shit and he comes back and he's great and wonderful. But I just don't think, you know, like you're saying, you can help him you know, any more than you already have tried. And I think that being very clear with your communication there and removing yourself from a situation that is not serving you is going to be the number one thing you can do for yourself and for him. And that's pretty much all I have to say about that. But again, I do know how that feels when you're like, I want to help you, but like I either I can't like this is something you have to do on your own or like it's going to hurt me more to help you in that situation. If you're not like really together, obviously you got to move on a little bit. Okay. Question number four. I love your podcast. Thank you, Maggie. Her name is Maggie. That's what it says on the end. My question is, why did you decide to not pursue law school anymore? We're taking a sharp right here, by the way. <laughs> you touched on it briefly, but never in depth. I am in the process of studying for the LSAT right now, and I'm having second thoughts. I have taken two gap years so far and feel like I'm wasting my time. What helped you in your decision-making process? I really value your advice and want to hear your thoughts on the topic. Love, Maggie. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, who maybe are new here, if you haven't heard these episodes, when I was younger, probably since I was like 12, I have wanted to be a lawyer. Yes, watching Legally Blonde did help me a little bit in that, in that situation, but I'm also the oldest child. I am a Capricorn and a gazillion houses. I am super type A. And my only real skill in this life, I will say, is writing. And when I mean writing, I mean like writing to create a point. And I feel like since I was younger, my parents have been annoyed with me because they're like, why can you justify anything <laughs> and find evidence for literally anything to be true? And everyone always told me for my whole life, you need to be a lawyer because the way you're thinking is like 
the perspective you have on things. It just like that seems like it should be your skill in this life. So for my whole life, I listened because, you know, when your parents tell you you're good at something, you're like, yeah, sure. Let's do that. So I had this narrative in my head that I wanted to be a lawyer. I actually bought my first LSAT books when I was in high school and like little LSAT practice books and would like do them. (laughs) I was a different person back then. Way different person. Um, This is before I discovered alcohol and kissed a boy for the first time. So I was a little bit late of a bloomer, but I was studying for the LSAT in high school, which is like just idiotic. Like I needed to get a life. So that was my my mindset going into college. I ended up majoring in political science at Texas A&M University. And I took, I front loaded a ton of classes like as soon as possible because I went in with APs and I was like trying to figure out more about the justice system and that side of, you know, political science, as well as taking general like political theory and all those classes. And I took a constitutional law class pretty early on where I learned a lot more about like landmark cases and things like that and seeing how much you can like play the constitution to work in your favor or not. It's like a little bit of a game and a puzzle. And I always had this idea of the justice system as being like just, (laughs) I just had a very naive view of this. I had a very naive view of how law in the U S works. And then on the, you know, while I was studying that, I'm also studying campaigning. I'm studying, you know, diversity in politics, diversity and the justice system. And I, you just start, I also took a, I was minoring in sociology. So I was taking a lot of sociology classes on religion, on gender, on race. And I think they all just came together at once for me to be like, what the fuck is this system? Like everything I thought I knew in my naive little brain, especially coming from the background of like living on a country club and going to a small private school from seventh to 12th grade, I feel like I was in a little bubble and then it got just based on fact, got it just popped. I was like, what the fuck is going on? I was genuinely so angry all the time (laughs) learning more about it that I would just like come home and like wreck the Thanksgiving table because I was so mad (laughs) about like incarceration rates. And everyone's like, Peyton, it's Thanksgiving, like it's going to be okay. And I'm like, it's not going to be okay. (laughs) Like I'm just having a mental breakdown. So for, with that, <laughs> with all of that, learning about the justice system, in the midst of this, in the midst of studying politics, I ended up well, also, by the way, politics, the way people get, you know, voted into office, the way things go behind the scenes. It's a fucking game. It is a game for competitive people. It's fake. A lot of it is. I think the public can't really tell what's real and what's fake. I think it's all kind of especially when you get to the big leagues like in D.C., on the hill there's all like a little it's almost like an inside joke everyone in politics has this inside joke that the public doesn't see as much and I recognized that pretty early based on my education and also the people that I had grown up around in my life I was just like what is going on right now like this is not something I want to be a part of literally at all and I noticed that about junior year I started a blog my junior year in order to get an internship in Los Angeles working in fashion PR So that's why I started any of this was to get an internship working in fashion PR to be like, how do I get out of what I'm already doing right now? Because I fucking hate this and I don't believe in it. And I'm also someone like I have some friends and people who can who are great, wonderful, amazing people who work in politics or they work as lawyers. But I just knew that my like sanity couldn't handle it, knowing how the system works. I'm also just not a system person. I don't like to be in a system if I don't have to be. I don't want to be like in a corporate environment. It's just like, I don't think I would thrive. It's just not my thing. 
I don't want someone to tell me what to do and then I do it and then they tell me that that was good and give me like a gold star. Some people are like that. My dad and I talked about that actually on our episode with him. He's a fighter pilot. He does a sick job, but that's how the military works. It is a huge system and he loves the system. So I'm not like bashing anyone who is in a system or anything like that. If that's if that works for you, that works for you. I just know that's not where my motivation comes from. So I just knew it wasn't going to work for me like that. Plus, I just started to not really believe in the system so much. And it genuinely like made me upset. Now I have friends and people I know that I respect in my life who work in these fields who are there doing really amazing work and pushing every single day to like make things better. I just knew that I genuinely don't think my heart could take it. Like I was just like, I don't think I can do this. The kind of law I wanted to practice, I was just like, I don't think I'm cut out for this. Like, I don't think I can show up every day like this. I think I would be an emotional wreck all the time and it just wasn't worth it. So I found this whole blogging thing happening and I ended up really loving it. I ended up being able to write and like kind of flex that creative muscle and it kind of just like became a job over time. And to finish this off, like I've talked about in plenty of episodes, I just talked about this in my growing up in a military family episode. If I don't feel something wholeheartedly because I'm a zero to a hundred person, I don't want to do it. And I knew at 21 years old, I was like, I am staring down the barrel of this and I can either commit to go going to do this because I do think I'd be pretty good at it, but I might be miserable. Um, or I can go do this other thing that I found that's writing on a blog. And I didn't really know where this was all was going to go back then. This was, I don't know, seven years ago. Um, it's obviously the, the space has grown huge and I'm glad it has because <laughs> now it's my job. But I took a risk on writing on a blog basically because I felt so passionate and excited about it. Even though it was like dumb stuff I was writing about, there was something about the process and the experience that I fucking loved. And I knew I had to pursue that. So I don't know what I would have done if I hadn't found the whole blogging route and been like a little bit crazy enough to like, just be like, fuck it. This is what I'm gonna do for my job and hope that it worked out. But I knew that entering, going to law school, it just wasn't the right thing for me. I knew in my gut, I did not feel motivated to do it. I knew I would probably be miserable the entire time. And it was just something that like the only reason I was holding on to it so long is because I had people tell me my whole life that I'd be good at it. And once I realized that I was like, okay, I've got to go with my gut. So all that being said, I had a very, I'd say unique experience, like falling into the I want to say like the job I currently have because I don't really write on a blog anymore. This is it, the podcast kind of feels like similar content to the blog, but I'm just speaking it out loud now. But I fell into this and I got really fucking lucky and I took a big risk on not going to do something like go to law school, which I knew would be more almost like stable or more for sure. I also for me, it wasn't worth like paying to go to law school and then the money that the kind of law I wanted to practice was going to make. It just didn't really make that much sense that way either. So all of these things were stacking against it. I think the biggest thing, though, is I couldn't stomach what I wanted to be doing. I don't think like making the impact I wanted to make, I think it would have driven me crazy. And I wish I was stronger in that sense. Uh, We have a really great family friend who is literally the best man ever. And he is a federal judge now. And him talking about his experiences and some of the cases that he's gone through, it's horrific, horrific. And not only in the way that, you know, in the actual content of the cases and like what actually happened, but also the way things are handled in the justice system. It's just 
really fucking depressing sometimes. And I don't personally think I could have done it again, like I said, a million times. So it's really on on you to connect with what you want. If you're finding yourself avoiding studying or avoiding like that's not having the fire, you know, from the beginning, I feel like maybe I don't I don't know. I don't want to tell you what to do or what not to do. But if you're taking gap year after gap year and you're not so sure and you're not so sure, it sounds like you're not that excited about it. But again, there are other times, too, I know where like maybe you're not that excited about it. And then you find an area of law that you just fucking love. I know there's so many different ways to practice law and so many different things you can get involved in. So that's just my all I can do. I can only really answer this with my experience and why I chose not to do it. So if you can relate to that, maybe look inward a little bit. Maybe if you just like feel like it's a lot of work and that's another thing I do all the time where I'm like, should I really do want to do this? But like taking the first step and like getting like going to the first day of classes, like that's the biggest hurdle to go through because it's like you're like, I know how much work this is going to be. It's going to be so much work. So like getting started is so daunting. So figure out if you're doing that versus if you just really don't want to do it anymore. And you got to really look inward there. And let's say you've been I like I did forever. I've been using that as almost my identity for so long, like high school through college. I'm like, I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be a lawyer. It, it took such a part of my, you know, it was such a part of my identity that was weird to like let go of it. But I'm glad that I did. I'm really fucking glad that I did. And that's the end of that one. All right. Last question. Five out of five. This one's a little bit longer. Okay. Hi, Peyton. First of all, love the podcast. A lot of your episodes helped to shape and develop my mindset, which I love and appreciate as I navigate life. I'm reaching out because I know you you have an experience with long distance and relocating for your ex's job, and I'm in a tricky situation in my relationship. My boyfriend, 25, and I, 24, have been dating for a year and a half. We have been long distance our entire relationship from New Jersey to D.C. I'm in Jersey. He's in D.C. I love D.C. and have wanted to live there for a while, but he grew up around there and his whole life and wants to get out and has a strong desire to move to Nashville. I haven't moved to D.C. yet through this time because I work in sports and the team I work for is getting quite good, which has turned into more opportunities and more money for me. And I have started to really grow a strong brand and develop a path for myself at my company. So it's been tough to find time to leave. Recently, my boyfriend was offered a huge promotion that would place him in Nashville for a substantial amount of time, maybe five to 10 years. I was open to leaving my job and relocating to a sports team in Nashville if we were looking at a handful of years, but now we're looking at potentially the next decade, and it's never really been an area I was interested in, especially given the fact that my heart tells me D.C. is the city for me. However, I love my boyfriend, and I don't want to turn down an opportunity to explore a new city, a new job, and a potential future with him. I feel like I don't really want to move there, but at the same time, the idea of an area I've never considered and a future with him really does excite me. On the flip side, I have never really been interested in Nashville, and leaving my company scares me given my success here. Also, there's a possibility that he and I don't work out, and I'm stuck in a city I didn't really want to move to and left a job that I was comfortable in and in a really good spot with. I know that this is not something I need to decide right now and would most likely be a year down the line, and anything can change at any moment. But I would love to hear your personal take on it, especially given that you moved for your ex's job and had to sacrifice being in L.A., any advice would be amazing. Love you so much. Thank you, XOXO G. Okay, so I wanted to talk about this one because this wasn't something. Okay, let me let me backtrack. When I started dating my ex, I was 26. And by the time we were going to move in together, I was 28. So it was about a year and a half um, of dating long distance. 
And both of us kind of knew that like we wanted to be getting more serious entering our 30s if we were going to be in this relationship and kind of figuring out like, okay, day to day, does this work out for us? Because we're, you know, going to be, he's like a year-ish older than me. We're going to be entering our 30s here pretty soon. Like, do we want to do this long distance thing knowing that our age? And the thing is, age is, you know, it's relative. It doesn't, some people are on, you know, their own timelines. For us, our timeline was like, okay, well, why don't we kind of set up for like five years? That's the kind of time we were like, let's, I'd like to be married and doing all this stuff in five years. And we both agreed to that. And we were like, all right, cool. So for me, this I'm just going to give you the background that it took for me to move in with him and like what where my mindset was. OK, so you can see kind of where yours is, too. So at that point, I had been in Los Angeles. I was just turning 28, like literally just turning 28. And I had been in L.A. for six years. Much like I said in my military life podcast episode, I crave change. And this was coming out of 2020, 2021. Los Angeles wasn't its vibrant self as it normally is. And I was just looking for an adventure. I was looking for something different, knowing I was in this relationship that at the time seemed like for both of us, it was going to last forever. We talked a lot about the future together. And I was pretty set on that. I also knew that if we weren't going to work. I wanted to know sooner rather than later. I didn't want to date him long distance for like three or four years and then move in together in my early 30s and then be like, oh, maybe this isn't going to work. I just thought, you know, this seems natural to me. And there was no part of me that questioned it at all. My gut told me I should go. And I do not regret it in the slightest. I needed to get out of LA. I had my adventure. It was mass chaos. We were we moved a gazillion times, but I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about him and I had a genuinely fun time. Like it was I had I enjoyed my time living with my now ex. And I think people are always like very they're kind of judgmental about the moving in before marriage thing. I knew that I wanted to live with someone before I got married to them just because I want to see the day to day, especially coming from a long distance relationship. That being said, me at 24 probably wouldn't have made the same decision. I wasn't in the place in my career that I was in when I left Los Angeles when I was 28. And I felt like it was okay. I felt comfortable in my career enough to do so. I felt like I wanted to leave LA regardless of moving in with him or not. And I felt like I needed to pursue this for my age and for him. Also, I want to say, I can do my job anywhere. And I kind of felt that it would be nice for my job to you know, move to Dallas, move to D.C., like have kind of a more interesting timeline going on rather than just being in L.A. for years and years and years and years and years on all in a row. I just felt like it'd be kind of interesting. And I was able to connect with different communities. I have I picked up so many like cool like listeners and followers from D.C. And I feel like it it helped my job. It just helped in a different way than like being in L.A. helps. So that's everything that went into my decision. Again, like I said, I absolutely do not regret it. But I believe I was in a different place in life than you are right now based on the way you're describing it. So if you're already like questioning it, obviously, and you're worried about work, I think those are two incredibly that's a, it's a very valid thing. I will say if you hadn't seen yourself living in Nashville before, I wouldn't necessarily take that as like a negative thing. I'd be like, oh, I never really see myself living there. Like probably means I should never move there. I think that's kind of exciting when life shows you and gives you an option of like, hey, you like you could move to the city that you've never even fucking thought of, which by the way, Nashville, I've never been, but I've heard it's great. I don't think that just because you haven't really thought it hasn't been in like your scope. I don't think you, that's a reason to not move there. But I think the job thing, depending on 
how you feel about your relationship and how solid that feels to you right now. Like you could even even say like, oh, my relationship doesn't feel that solid right now. It doesn't mean it's not going to get there. It just means like right now doesn't feel like the right time. And another thing for me, too, is the long distance was getting so hard, like on my heart. Like I was so sad when he would leave and I just felt like I needed to be near him. We both kind of felt the same way about that. So, again, this is such a deeply personal decision. And I think from what you're saying, the job portion is definitely the thing that should be considered. Like I said, for me, I didn't really have the effect on my job like you would be having. So I don't know how to like give you advice in that situation because I have never had a job that is tied to one location necessarily. Even with podcasts, I recorded in DC all the time, like just on my own little mic and everything like that. So it's hard to say, but I, like you said, don't make any rash decisions, obviously. But I would, again, I keep saying this and I, y'all are going to be annoyed with me at some point, but like you really need to check in with your gut. You need to check in with what your gut is telling you. And there's a difference between being anxious about making a big change and gut intuition. So I would check in with your personal intuition and figure out, okay, are these drawbacks that I'm making? Are these reasons that I'm coming up with? Are they valid reasons for me? Or are they excuses that my fear or anxiety is trying to make up so I have a reason not to go and do this big, you know, different change? This time can be really, really exciting. But again, the job thing does, especially if you care about your job so much, the job thing does make me a little bit nervous for you. That being said, there are sports teams in Nashville. And what if we toyed with the idea of even maybe finding a better job there? Not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying, is that an option? Is that something you could think about or get excited about? And I also, if you feel a certain stability in your relationship, obviously we can say all day things can end, relationships can end, people, you know, get married and marriages end. You know what I mean? Like, Sometimes you got to take the risk in order to find out if this is the right person for you. And I think that I don't regret taking that risk at all. So I've got mixed feelings about this one, as you can tell. I don't really know where to steer you other than you have to check in with yourself and figure out what your priorities are and figure out if you can make this life in Nashville work for you specifically, too, especially with your jobs. What are the job options in in Nashville? What are, What's something you could pursue there? I'm sure there's lots of sports stuff to do in Nashville as well. So I don't know. Try to figure that out. Look into those options. Think big, like think like expansive rather than like having limited op- options. Just like think of all the possible options you, you could have living in both places and write down like a little list. I love a pro and cons list, but like this is more like job wise, write down your pro and cons list and like think big about work because I don't know. I feel like if it there could be something you look back on in like five years and you're like, oh my God, I'm so glad I moved to Nashville. I ended up finding that really sick job doing exactly what I wanted. And now I'm engaged to the man that I love. You never know. I think we have a tendency to look on the, on the dark side and trust me, I just came out of the dark side <laughs> and I regret nothing. Okay. I'm glad I did it. I'm really glad that I did it. So I guess get back to me on that one. Tell me what you do. Tell me what you decide. Just DM me. Let me know because I'm really actually, I'm invested in this one for sure. I want to see what your, how this all turns out for you. And with that, we're ending this episode today. Thank you all so much for writing in your questions. I should maybe do more Ask P episodes. I have gotten so many questions. I'm so one, happy about it, but two, I feel bad because I can't answer everything. You'll send in a lot of very thoughtful, amazing questions. What I try to do is for each episode, I try to like pull 
something from various categories. So they're not all the same. But maybe we could do an episode like we could like do like a friends themed one, a boy themed one, a random questions or like work related one. Maybe that could be my next like couple months. I'll do the more themed like. But that's it for today. Thank you all so much for listening. Make sure to rate and review if you can. That helps the show so much. I listen mostly on Spotify. So if I like whenever I see shows that have like thousands of reviews on Spotify, I'm like, I'm like, damn, they're doing really well. So please help me be one of those shows. And also on iTunes, you can rate and review. Keep in mind, too, that in the show notes, there are all these different forms for various episodes that I'm trying to build up. So we've got like embarrassing confessions form that you can like submit everything anonymously. We've got various things like that. I want to do a full episode coming up here on how to be like the best friend in the entire world. I want to have, I'm going to New York soon. So I want to have some girls on in New York and we're going to talk about how you can be the best friend ever. We're going to get started on a summer series here pretty soon. So make sure you're subscribed to Note to Self. You can follow me on Instagram at Peyton Sarton and on TikTok at Peyton Sarton. And I will talk to y'all in the next episode. Thank y'all so much for listening to today's episode. You can catch a new episode of Note to Self every Thursday. Please, please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the good stuff. I always want to hear from you, so please leave a rating and review if you have a sec. Follow Note to Self on social for all the behind the scenes action and more info about the show at NTS by PS on Instagram and at Note to Self Pod on TikTok. And I'll talk to y'all next week.